Well, obviously, we're taking the time to do this series on the Holy Spirit called Numa, which Numa is the the Greek word for spirit. Uh, it could be uh, breath or wind, um, but in our case today, it's it is we're we're specifically referencing the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, as you read throughout Scripture, is so vital and so important. And so important for us in the way that we live our lives day to day. And maybe, maybe more important than you actually realize that he is. But it is a huge task. It's a huge task uh, to, to try to discuss and talk about. Because, you know, anytime you bring it up, I don't know if you know this. You probably don't realize this. But there's a little bit of confusion sometimes when you start talking about the Holy Spirit. Sometimes there's a little bit of anxiety when you start discussing the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, and only sometimes, there's a little bit of controversy when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, depending on what style or mode of church you come from. And so this morning, uh, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you go with me, and would you just try to have, as best you can, a, a, a clean slate just take everything that, that you know. Listen, I know we've all had certain experiences or we've seen things or we've heard things. And so when you say, hey, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today, some of you go, uh-uh. Some of you go, yahoo. Some of you are like, huh? That's very specific, I know. But the truth is, in this room, that all of you are represented. You know, there's people who are really excited about it. There are people who uh, who get kind of nervous because they've seen different things that have happened, and they've heard about these meetings where people jump pews and where people uh, do crazy things and people swing from the chandeliers and all of that kind of stuff happens. And frankly, I've been in lots of lots and lots of meetings over the years, and I've grown up in church all my life. And I don't see that many churches that actually have chandeliers. And I have yet to see one person swing from them. Though, hey, I'm not opposed. But some of you are those that would say, yeah, look, look, I ain't scared. Put some chandeliers up and let's do some swinging. We all come from different backgrounds. But no doubt, we've all heard something. We've all experienced something. Could you just, with me, try to set everything aside for the next few moments and let's go to the Word of God, and let's see what Scripture has to say about Him. I know it could be challenging, because you've heard the stories. I have some of my own. Pastor Ross shared some of his last week. Uh, the fact of the matter is, those stories are out there. I'll tell you, I'll tell you <laughs> one time, uh, my brother Brad, he's a junior high pastor. He was for about seven years at uh, New Life Church in Colorado. And uh, doing those meetings, you get all kinds of interesting things that happen. So when you go to a retreat with a bunch of junior high kids or a summer camp with a bunch of junior high kids, that's a lot of fun for some. It is for me. For many in this room, it's probably like, uh-uh, not going to do that. But it is a great time. But we were doing some altar ministry uh, in one of the evenings after the service, and God was doing great things, and the Holy Spirit was moving, and there's really cool things happening in the hearts of kids. And one thing that was going on though, in the middle of that was this thing that that uh, some of you have heard, and some of you are not familiar with, but this concept, this term that I've grown up with called being slain in the Spirit. I was slain in the Spirit. Now, frankly, as I was growing up, that always scared the mess out of me. <laughs> I was like, that sounds really frightening. I don't want to get killed. 
spirit or not, I don't want to get killed. But uh, all these junior high kids were having this experience. So, so the next morning, we're doing testimonies. And all these junior high kids are lining up to tell what had happened. And so Pastor Brad sets it up and says, hey, listen, uh, we need to come and tell what the Holy Spirit did in you last night as we were praying. So the first kid would come up, you know, and stand there kind of nervously and say, um, you guys, last night I got slain in the Spirit. And it was awesome. And you should do it too. And they would leave. And Brad would say, oh, isn't that great? That's great. That's great. But, but uh, you know, what we're really after is what did the Spirit of God do in the midst of that prayer time? What happened in your heart and how are you different? So let's focus our time and energies on that, would you? And so the next kid would come up and he'd stand there next to Brad and he'd give him the microphone. So tell us what happened. And he would say, um, you guys, last night. I totally got slain in the spirit like seven times, <laughs> and it was so awesome, <laughs> and everybody should do it as many times as you can, and then they would leave. Well, <laughs> we've all seen things that are a little bit confusing like that. Uh, I, I, have another, uh, I have another one, actually, that happened to me personally, which was very interesting. Let me tell you really quick. I was in a meeting where uh, at the end of the night... There's some prayer ministry going on, some prophecy and things like that. And I had been sitting all meeting with my sister, my sister Lori, who's sitting right here. And um, I, I was in high school, and I was sitting there, and I had my arm around her the entire meeting. We were listening. And, uh, and so at the end, I, I wanted to go up for some prayer. And I, I, th I, I went up, and I think, I think Lori ended up standing beside me. I don't remember for sure, but I was standing there, and the speaker who knew my family came up and uh, felt like he had a word of prophecy from the Spirit of God for uh, me and uh, for Lori. And so he starts prophesying, and he starts prophesying about our marriage. <laughs> so this is me. <laughs> what? This is insane. Now, the part you don't know is that, uh, you know, my sister Lori is married to Darren Green, who is sitting actually right here. Darren and I actually look quite a bit alike. And, and as we were younger, we actually looked even more alike. So he thought that Darren was me and I was Darren. And so he gave that word of prophecy. But I'll tell you, being a young man in high school and hearing a prophecy about your future marriage to your sister, that's not something you want to hear. What kind of a church is this? <laughs> so there are reasons for the times when we get nervous when we talk about the Holy Spirit. But I hope today that you can have that blank slate and we can go to Scripture and find out some of the truth of who he really is by reading through the Bible. Because, you know, we've got to start from truth and then let our experiences speak to that truth and be proof of that truth. Not the other way around. We don't have experiences first and then decide what's true. We decide what's true and then experiences confirm that that's right. It doesn't go the other way around. Truth is first, experience is second. So our goal today is not that we would simply know something or simply understand something as we walk away. The goal for this morning is that we would leave here living something that we would actually more appropriately know someone.
That's really the goal. So we've spent the first couple weeks uh, so far in this series kind of doing an introduction to the Holy Spirit. Ross did last week with the promise. Today we're talking about the person. And so let's talk about him for a few minutes. The, the first question really is, is pretty simple. It is, who is he? Who is this guy? Who is this Holy Spirit that we talk about? Well, if we were going to sit down together at a coffee shop here somewhere locally, uh, you know, if we were going to sit down at a, a Starbucks or a, a um, maybe more appropriately and better, a summer moon or, or some coffee shop in the city, uh, these are some of the things that I would probably say to you. The first thing I might say to you is I, I might say, well, the Holy Spirit, and this may not be perfect grammar, but the, the Holy Spirit is a hymn. The Holy Spirit is a hymn. It's a person. He is a person. You know, sometimes uh, as Bible translators, we're, we're selecting words and trans, translating from, um, from Hebrew or Greek, and they're working on all of that. Sometimes there was an English word to just, just, just get it just right. And so I think maybe sometimes that provides a little bit of confusion. We, we've, we have words, and though, though the, they're accurate and right, it might just give us a little bit of confusion when we end up with words like uh, ghost that we read or, or spirit, frankly, for some people. When we read the, the Holy Ghost, um, it might contribute to some of our anxiety about him and our ideas of him. I grew up with the Holy Ghost. Uh, or if it was a really good meeting, it was the Holy Ghost. See, if it's, if, it's, if, it's really, if it's really good, you don't even have to say the last two letters. If it's a really strong meeting, you just have to say, the Holy Ghost. Go ahead and try it, try it. Say, the Holy Ghost. Yeah, right? And then you know, woo, that was a powerful one, right? Well, I grew up with the Holy Ghost, um, and, I, and that's great, and uh, so I, I really have very few reservations about it. But others of us have grown up with the Holy Spirit, and maybe that's caught us off guard just a little bit or sent us a different way in our thinking. John fourteen seventeen says this, talking about the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, there is a spiritual dynamic to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I'm not just saying that he's a dude running around somewhere that we're looking for. Hey, anybody seen the Holy Spirit? We seen him? He is a spirit, but he is a person. But he is not just a cosmic cloud or a mystical force that's floating around somewhere waiting for you. That's not, that's not who he is. He is a person. And if that's true that he's a person, what that means is, is that we can relate to him personally. See, I don't know about you, but I have a general life rule. It is this. As a general rule, I don't trust ghosts. I just don't. I don't trust them. People tell me that Casper the friendly ghost, he's a real good guy, but he's got those beady eyes and I do not trust him. I don't trust ghosts in the world, but I can trust people. I can trust in people. 
and the Holy Spirit is a person. Let me talk to you a little bit more about it. I'm going to do these really quick so you could write them down if you're taking notes. Romans 8.27 says about the Holy Spirit that he has a mind. 1 Corinthians 12.11, it says that he has a will. Romans 15.30 says that he has emotions described by his love for us. Hebrews 3.7 says that he speaks. 1 Timothy 4.1 tells us that he speaks clearly. 1 Corinthians 2.13 says that he teaches us. Ephesians 4.30 says that he can be grieved. Hebrews 10.29 says that he can be insulted. So if he's not just some cosmic, mystical, ethereal force, if he is a person, then that means that we all can trust him. The second thing I might tell you, if we were sitting down, which in fact we are, is I might say this to you, even though it will feel probably a little bit inappropriate. The Holy Spirit is not a weirdo. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. He is not weird. My, <laughs> my wife and I and our kids, we were watching, we were watching a Muppet movie uh, sometime last week. I don't know which one it was, but there was, a, there was a scene with Noah and the ark. Noah and the ark, and, and we're watching this movie, and Gonzo, you know who Gonzo is? Gonzo's a little blue and purple dude that's uh, got a big nose, and you know, no one really knows who he is or what he is. So Gonzo, Gonzo is this really uh, weird guy. Nobody knows what he is. They can never figure it out. And he's trying to get into Noah's Ark. But Noah is standing at the door of the Ark going, whoa, hold up. And he's blocking him with his staff. And he's like, no, you're not coming in here. No, I don't know what you are. You're not getting in here. You can't come in. And I wonder if sometimes that's what we do to the Holy Spirit because we can't quite put him in the right category. Well, you're not this and you're not this. I don't know exactly what to do with you. So uh, you seem a little bit weird to me. So you just can't come in. Nope, nope, nope. You can't come in here. I don't want you in. I think maybe sometimes, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, we treat him that way because we're not sure what to do with him. But Jesus said that for us, it is actually better for him to be here than it is for Jesus himself to be here with us. So John 16, 7, it says, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He said, it's better for you that I go. Now, most of the time, we think the opposite. We think, man, if Jesus was just here, if Jesus was here, it'd be so cool because we just, we walk around and we do really cool things and he turns water to wine and he heals people and he does all these incredible things all the time. Man, that would be so great. But Jesus said, no, it's actually better for you if I go and he comes. Think about if Jesus was actually still here. What would that look like? If you wanted to go and spend some time and talk to Jesus, if he lived here as he lived so many years ago, what would you have to do? He might travel around a little bit, I don't know, or he might stay put and people would come and see him. But you'd have to get on a plane, you'd have to fly very far, you'd have to go over to Israel, you'd have to find out where he's at, you'd have to find him what hilltop he's meeting on, you'd have to stand there behind all the thousands of people who are starving, wait till everybody gets their feeding from the five loaves and the two fish, and get all the food, everybody's full, and maybe you'd get a glimpse in a moment to go and sit with them and talk with them for a minute. But Jesus said, no, 
I don't want that. I'm, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and it will be better for you. Jesus is saying it's better if we're closer to the Holy Spirit. So when you read that verse, it doesn't say, but I tell you the truth. It's going to be really weird when I go away. It will be very strange because I'm going to go and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and it's going to get kooky. That's not what he said. What did he say? He said, it's good. It is good that I go. It is good that the Holy Spirit comes. It is better for you to have him here. We need to remember that. It's better. I know, though, having said all of that, that when, when he interacts, when the Holy Spirit interacts with us, there is still potential for it to be a little bit strange. But what you have to realize is, is that the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are. Look, I'll take it. I'll, I'll be the first. I'm weird. I, I have some things about me that are weird. The Holy Spirit is not where the weirdness comes from. You got to think when the Spirit of God comes into a person in a significant way, you can't control all of that all the time. The Holy Spirit, God himself, is very big. We are very small. So things can happen, yes, but the Holy Spirit himself is not weird. And even still in discussing all of that, I don't think that weirdness should be the line that we draw to determine whether or not or how we're going to interact with the Spirit of God. Weirdness cannot be the dividing line. So we can't go looking for the weird Neither should we say, oh, if that gets a little weird, then I don't want anything to do with that. We should simply look to know him. That's what we look for. And then we let whatever else is going to happen, happen. And we figure that out together. So that's the second thing. Third thing I might tell you is, is the Holy Spirit is God. Now this is vitally important. The Holy Spirit is God. See, everybody's okay with the Father. Everybody loves the Father. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. He's great. Everybody loves Jesus. Jesus, yeah, I read about him in the Bible, and, man, he did miracles and did all this kind of stuff, and he walked the earth, and he taught, and, man, he died on the cross for me. He uh, was buried, and he rose again three days later. I love Jesus. He is fantastic. And then you mention the Holy Spirit, and people go, whoa. No, Father and Son, that's great. But the Holy Spirit, that's his whole other category. I don't know what to do with that. The truth is, they are equal and the same. Acts 5, 3-4. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to men, but to God. And right there in that passage, he has is, he is said that the Holy Spirit is God. You didn't lie, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. You didn't lie to men, you lied to God when you lied to the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19, it's a great commission. It says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All equal. There's, there are a few things that I want to, there are three statements really that are, are very important for us as we continue on. And we don't have time to unpack all of it or, or, or really talk about all of it. 
but it still really matters for the continuation of our time and through this series. So it's dealing with the doctrine, this idea, the doctrine of the Trinity. And so I want you to take notes to write these things down. And again, we won't unpack them today. We'll have time to do that later. But I want you to write these three things down because I think they're helpful. The first is this, that God is three persons. This is elementary for some of you. It may not be for others of you. God is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Second thing is this. Each person is fully God. Each one is fully God. And the third one, the third one that makes it all work is this. And there is one God. God is three persons, each person is fully God, and there is one God. He is one God in three persons. Now I know, it makes your brain hurt. It's always made my brain hurt. As a little, as a little guy, I was growing up in church listening to my dad talk about these things, and I would, I would, I would literally just spend, I would spend, you know, well, okay, I was a little guy, so it was five or ten minutes, maybe. But I remember sitting, sitting on the couch thinking about this. And my, I would feel dizzy. <laughs> I don't know if that says much for my mental capacity. <laughs> I would be like, whoa, I, I, and so I'd go watch cartoons. But it can be difficult, but it's very important that we believe all three of those things about the Trinity. Why is it so important? Well, it's because if, if it's not true, if those things aren't true, that there are three persons, each person is fully God, and there is one God then so many things start to get very uneasy. Salvation itself becomes questionable. So if, let's, let's, let's say Jesus. If, Jesus. if that was not true of Jesus, if there was the Father only, and Jesus was not uh, equally, uh, fully God with him, but he was instead created, well, a created being cannot take on salvation for all of mankind. God himself had to do that. So this is why it's so centrally important that we understand these three components together, all being together in one. But for our sake today, if you try to pull the Holy Spirit out of it and say, yeah, Father, Son, great, but the Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do about that. There are many dangers in that, but one of the dangers, I think, that shows up immediately is that it, it, uh, it, it makes the personal nature of God be at stake. The personal nature of who God is. God himself at his core is relational. That's who God is. There's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit together in one God. And that personal nature is very important to us because relationships are so vital. Relationships are so important. As I was reading about this and studying this a little bit, uh, I read a theologian named Wayne Grudem, and he says this, If there is no trinity, then there were no interpersonal relationships within the being of God before creation, and without personal relationships, it is difficult to see how God could be genuinely personal. The fact of the matter is, is that God is genuinely personal. If God is genuinely personal, then that means that he can be your friend. And that might be one of the last things that I would say to you if I was sitting down talking to you. I would say, the Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 in the Message Bible, it says, uh, this is the, kind of the ending, the, 
final prayer in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Paul's prayer for us in, in for the, the church at Corinth there, and then continuing on for us, is that we would know the grace of Jesus, the power for living, the love of God shown to us through the gift of his own son, Jesus, part of himself given, and then the friendship of the Holy Spirit, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. And you understand, so the Holy Spirit is the one who lives within us. I grew up through Sunday school. I don't know if you did. I grew up in Sunday school, and all the way through Sunday school, you would hear what? Hey, we want to ask Jesus to come into our hearts. Would you like to ask Jesus to come into your heart? And the answer was, yes, yes, I do. But I I, I sometimes would get a little bit confused thinking, how does that work exactly? Because, uh, you know, this is not appropriate at all what I'm about to say. So I'm a youth pastor, so excuse me, and write Pastor Ross the email about it. But, um, uh, you know, as I would teach high school kids over the years, I would say, you understand how this works. It's not, it's not a little, little, little tiny microscopic Jesus trying to crawl in or through some through your mouth or your ear and get down and he climbs down and he gets into your heart and he goes and works into the aorta and he just sits in there somewhere and maybe he gets a little too big or the aorta is a little too small and Jesus gets in there and it gets clogged and ah, and suddenly you're having a heart attack it's a terrible thing cuz Jesus came into your heart I told you it was inappropriate but that's not the way it works although it is because of the trinity Jesus does live in your heart the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is who lives within us. The Spirit of God is the one who lives in us. So this is, this is the, the big idea here. If these things are true, if he's a person, if he's not weird, if he's God, and he wants to be your friend, if these things are true, then I am very interested in knowing more of the Holy Spirit. I am very interested, and I believe, since those things are true, that he can, in fact, be trusted. So if we're going to trust him as our friend, then what does that mean? What kind of friend is he to us? As we're going through this series, I want to encourage you with a couple things. If you want to take some time on your own just to read a little bit more and to, to study a little bit more and um, be more prepared as you come into services over the next several weeks as we continue to talk about this. I want to encourage you to read John chapter 14, chapters 14, 15, and 16. You write those down. You could read through Acts, um, all the way through the book of Acts. You could read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. All those would be great passages where you can figure out a little bit more and read more about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. But today I want to go through John 14, 15, and 16 just briefly and take out some of the things that he says the Holy Spirit is for us. So if he wants to be our friend and if we choose today to trust him and say forget the anxiety, forget the fears, forget all the worry, all the stuff that I've thought or been concerned about because of the experiences or frankly things that I've only seen and um, or only heard and not really even experienced, well... 
I, I, I'm interested in knowing more. If that's all I've got, I want to find out more. Here's, here's, here's what those things are. This is the kind of friend he is for us. Number one, he is with me. He's the kind of friend who's with me. John 14, 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. I'm going to ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. This word counselor, it means somebody who's called alongside of you to be with you all the time to help you. That's what that word means. He wants to be your counselor. He's the kind of friend who's with me. Now, other, other translations will use words like advocate or friend or helper or comforter. How many of you just really want a comforter to be in your life all the time, always helping, always beside you, always aiding you? I think about when I go home after a really long day and the bed is made and the pillows are perfect because my wife is perfect. Why are you groaning? The pillows being perfect does not make my wife perfect. She's already perfect. Okay, so just to clarify. <laughs> so, but I, and then and I've been, I'm so tired and I go and I, I pull back the comforter and I pull back those sheets and I lay down and I pull that comforter over me and it's so thick and it's so warm and it's so well comforting. And I just snuggle in, and I just lay back, and suddenly, you know that feeling? Is it too much to just say that is who the Holy Spirit can be for you? So much more. But I'll tell you this. Today, there are many of you who are struggling and fighting, and you feel so alone, and you feel so lost, and you feel like nobody's got your back, nobody's advocating for you, nobody's standing strong for you, and it is a lie from the enemy. It is not true. The Holy Spirit is alongside of you all the time. But I wonder if because of the fact that we get so concerned and we don't know what to do with him, we don't allow him to be that for us when he wants to be. He's there with you, in you, alongside of you to help. But we say, oh, the Holy Spirit, that makes me too nervous. So I just don't want to do that. No, he's the friend who comes along beside you and helps you. Let's let him do that today. Trust him. Second thing. He, this is the kind of friend he is. He reveals the Bible to me. You ever read a verse over and over and over and over again? You've read it several times and, you know, maybe this month you read it and the next month you read it and three months from now you read it again. And then one day you pick it up and you read it and boom, something happens. And you come alive and it comes alive in your heart and it's revealed something incredible that you never saw before. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit revealing that to you, teaching you that thing, and saying something directly to you to open up your heart. So it's in those moments especially that we have to listen and hear what he's saying. He reveals the Bible to us. That's the kind of friend that I want, speaking something from Scripture directly to me. John 14, 26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The third thing is, he gives me power to share Jesus with others. 
That's the kind of friend the Holy Spirit can be. He gives me power to share Jesus with others. He is the one, everybody, who helps us to live out and complete the Great Commission. He's the one. John 15, 26 says, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. That's what the Spirit does. He testifies about Jesus. So if that same Spirit lives in you, then you can easily testify about the Lord Jesus. If you're the one that says, oh, I could never have the conversation. I'm not brave enough. I'm not bold enough. I couldn't do it. It's difficult for me on my lunch break to sit down across from a coworker and open that up. Well, then that's good news for you today because you don't have to. You have a friend, the Holy Spirit, God himself, who wants to testify about Jesus. He is the one who helps us to do it. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Great Commission, Matthew 28.18-20. Again, we hear the same thing. It's not, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So go and make disciples of all nations. And surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. It's through the Holy Spirit that he's with us. Think about Peter for just a minute. Peter, Peter, before he had this major encounter with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, Peter, on the night before the crucifixion, what did he do? He denies Jesus three times. No, I don't know the man. No, I wasn't with him. No, I do not know the man. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes to the upper room. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. And that day, he stands up and he proclaims the truth of the Lord Jesus. And 3,000 people are saved. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the kind of friend he is. Fourth thing that he does, he convicts me of my sin. John 16, 8 says, When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, frankly, when I read that, many of you go, uh, no thank you. <laughs> That's not exactly what I'm looking for in a best friend. I think sometimes we mix it up. I think we, we mistake conviction, and instead we think condemnation. They are not the same thing. The Holy Spirit is not the one who condemns you. He's not angry at you. He's not saying, man, you better shape up. God is so mad at you. That's not what he's saying. Conviction is what the Holy Spirit does to rescue us, to save us and deliver us. Isaiah 30, 21 is a prophecy, but talking about this idea, and I love this verse, and it says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. When he convicts us, that's what he's saying. Don't go that way. This is the way, walk in it. The last thing is he guides me through life. He's the friend that guides me through my life. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, I'm not talking about 
fortune-telling. I'm not talking about forecasting the future, although prophecy is very real, and, those, and the gifts of the Spirit are very real. And we're going to talk about those in later weeks. But that's not the point here. I think the point here is just the guidance and the leading that he gives to help you know which way to go, to say this is the way, walk in it. Listen, I've experienced it myself even just recently because it was a year to maybe a year and a half ago that I, with my wife and family, we believed that we heard the Holy Spirit speak to us and say, go to Austin, Texas. And so we did. And without any sort of uh, fundraising or letters or anything, we just leapt out and said, let's go and do it. Pastor Ross has been called. His family has been called. I believe that God has called us to go and support. And so let's go and do it. And Maria said, absolutely. And we jumped in a car, we packed up our house, and we drove down here. And without any sort of support, we just kept living day after day and week after week after week as the Holy Spirit guided us and led us. He wants to do the same for you, to show you the way. You don't have to be aimless. You don't have to walk around and wonder. You don't have to be anxious over what the future will ultimately hold. You have a friend who wants to help you. He wants to guide and to lead you. Look, this is by no means an exhaustive list, and I certainly know that. And we're going to do much more to talk about, learn about, understand, and even befriend the Holy Spirit as we go over this series through the next several weeks. But today, I just want you to see. I want you to... I want you just to back up and consider the person of the Holy Spirit. And though you may have a certain sort of um, belief system, background, experiences, all those things, I want you today to just choose. Maybe think about and choose to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit more than you have before. Instead of thinking, I don't know about him, so I want to push him away. Or I just, maybe not even push him away, but I just don't think I'm ready to let him in. Considering all of these things, I want to let him in. I want him a part of my life. Would you bow your heads for just a minute? I think as we talk about the Holy Spirit, it probably presents a couple of problems for some of us right off the bat. We talk about him in this way. Because I've spent the morning talking about how he's personal and you can relate to him personally. And because that's true and he's not so ethereal as you've maybe thought that you can trust him. But some of us today go, that, that's fine, but I don't really trust anybody. I don't really trust people. I don't trust them enough to let them in. And so for some of us today, we might treat him the same way, knowingly or unknowingly. Other, others of us today, we might be ones that would say, well, according to your last points, he, he brings conviction 
and he is the one who wants to lead me and in essence control what I'm doing and if that's true I don't want somebody else to lead me I want to be in control I'm not ready to give up control of my life I'm not ready to hand it over Those are two pretty significant issues. But what would happen today if we all made the choice to allow him to be in control, to trust him to be in control? What would your life look like if you walked out of here having made that choice? What would your family, how, how would they be different if you left today having made that decision? What would your career look like if you decided, I'm going to fully trust the Holy Spirit, God himself, I'm going to give him full control over my career and stop worrying so much. How would your life change? How would the city of Austin change if churches all over and people in churches all over our city decided, yeah, I'm not going to be so anxious about it, but I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit to come in. I'm going to welcome him just like I've welcomed the Father and the Son. Now understanding that they're the same. So I have two questions for you today. Will you choose to trust him? Will you choose to let him be in control? And as you're thinking about that and the implications of what that really means for you, maybe some of you are here today and you, you are thinking, I, I don't even... I'm not even sure exactly what we're talking about yet, but I know that you're talking about God, and I know that you're talking about Jesus, and you're saying that God sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me, for my sins, because he loves me. He was buried for three days, but he rose again, and because he did that, he conquered death and hell and sin. He loves me that much and he wants to save me. All of that is true. Jesus died for you. Scripture says that we've all sinned and fall short of his glory. Scripture also says that if we'll just confess our sins, he's faithful and just and he'll forgive us. He's given you everything that you need. Maybe some of you today want to say, I would like to know more of that God, <laughs> the one true God. Jesus, I'd like to know him. If those things are true, I'd like to know him. Is there anybody today that would be real honest as every head is bowed and eyes are closed? And I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but I would just ask you to just shoot your hand up in the air just real quick. Just shoot your hand up if you'd say, yeah, that's me. I, I would like to know more about Jesus. Cool, good, awesome. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, good. Anybody else? Yes. Okay. Anybody else? That's so great. Anybody else? Yeah. Okay. Okay. What a great thing. In a moment here, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for you and pray with you and have you actually say a prayer and in invite him. But the rest of you, as you've been considering, I want you to answer those questions now. Will you choose to trust him? Will you choose to let him be in full control? 
today maybe you'd, you'd say, I haven't. But today I want to make the determination to say yes and to allow him full control of my heart. Would you lift your hands today? Just do it right now. Yep, good, 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 good. Who else? Good, good, good. Who else? Okay, good. Yeah, thank God. Who else? It's a new decision, a new determination. I'm going to let him be in full control of all of my life. Ah, awesome. Okay, anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Okay. Then let's all pray this prayer together. Whether you raised to know Jesus for the first time or whether you made this determination this morning, let's pray this together and mean it from your very gut. Pray it real loud with me and you will be different this morning. Say, dear Jesus, come on, good and strong. Dear Jesus, I want to know you. I want you. I'm tired of living my life. I'm tired of going my own way. I confess all of my sin, all of my bad decisions, all of my disobedience, all of my rebellion. I renounce my old life. I want new life in you. I choose to believe that you died on the cross, that you rose again, and that you did it for me. And I can have life because of it. So today I, I ask you to be my Savior and to be my Lord. And Holy Spirit, I give you control. I choose you. I choose to trust you. I choose to give up. Thank you for rescuing me. In Jesus' name. Amen.